Today, I want to attempt, with the Lord's help, to help prepare your heart for the Lord's table. And we've been talking about regifting, and today we uh, we're going to talk about one other thing that we need to regift as followers of Jesus. There was a little girl, and she wanted to sing small country church. She wanted to sing in front of the church. And so the minister of music said, okay, we're going to let you sing. So she got up, and she was going to sing a hymn. And she started singing, and she was awful. Off key, no pitch. It was just awful. So she finishes the first verse. And then the second verse came around, and the minister of music stood beside her and began to sing with her. And she, she hears him. She gets back on key, gets on pitch. Third verse rolls around. The whole congregation begins to sing the third stanza of this hymn. And then the fourth stanza comes around. The congregation is silent. The minister of music is silent. And this little girl sings beautiful uh, on key and on pitch the fourth uh, stanza of the hymn. Now, what happened between the first stanza where she was off key and the last stanza where she's on key? It was the encouragement that came from people coming alongside of her to help her get on pitch and on key, and she was able to do that. We're going to talk today about regifting encouragement. I want to try to define some terms for you uh, before I open God's word with you just a moment. First word is courage. Uh, we could come up with definition of courage, but it's this. It's strength in the midst of pain or grief. Strength in the midst of pain or grief. In other words, you're facing a tough situation, whatever it may be, and you need to step into that situation. It, is, it doesn't mean the absence of fear. It just means you're willing to do whatever it takes to uh, face that situation. And here's the deal about the situation. The circumstances may not change, okay? Uh, so some of you have stepped into things. You need the courage to step into those things. But you discovered the, the circumstances really did not change, but you had the courage to step into that. I think about D-Day. I think about uh, Normandy and the soldiers that were going to storm the beaches at Normandy. You know, they had a fear which is in them, but they had a courage to go under those beaches and the situation and the circumstances, many of them died, but they had the courage to do that. And so that's what courage is. But there's a term called discourage. Discourage. Discourage means the loss of courage, confidence, or enthusiasm. Have you ever been discouraged? Probably today. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But the situation or circumstance overwhelms you and you become discouraged and you feel like you can't go on. I was thinking, what causes discouragement? I, I'm not talking about 
I'm talking about uh, the deep-rooted. What causes discouragement? Or why do certain people walk in discouragement and other people do not? Uh, And I've got three, uh, three reasons. Number one is unmet expectations. You have expectations that are up here and they're not met. Thus, you get discouraged, whether it's about your job or your kids or whatever. You've had unmet expectations. Number two is the naysayers. Do you have any naysayers in your life? Get rid of them. Uh, You know, those people that you can't do that. Some of you remember right now somebody that was a naysayer in your life as a kid and you still hear their voice uh, there. They discourage you. And then the third is we keep our eyes on the circumstances or situations instead of putting our eyes on the Lord or community that needs to be there. So unmet expectations, naysayers, and eyes on our circumstances. Now, I want to depress you for the next uh, couple of minutes. Uh, I don't want to discourage you. No, I want to... Uh, list out things that are discouraging in our day, okay? Uh, and, and some of you are walking in discouragement today. But let me share some of these with you. Many are discouraged today about their jobs. Either they're not making enough money or they're not fulfilled. Uh, they just, the hours, it just discourages them. Another one is health. Uh, many people are discouraged about their health. They're overweight. They're out of shape. They, uh, uh, they have a cancer or some disease that they're struggling with. A third one in our day is war. You know, is, is our world out of control? Um, we not only look at Ukraine and Russia, but Israel and Hamas what's happening in Sudan, the other ethnic cleansings that are happening around the world. We just get discouraged about this. How about the economy? Uh, is, is a recession coming? We can't afford to make ends meet. Uh, we're having to change our lifestyles in many ways, and we're still so blessed as a country. But uh, economy discourages many. How about discouragement with kids and family? Uh, Maybe your marriage has gone stale. Maybe your kids have turned against the faith or not walking uh, what you uh, anticipated for them in their uh, faith journey. And you're just discouraged somewhat in in that. Um, How about the government? Uh, we got uh, elections coming up, right? And uh, we're thinking, is this really what we have to choose from? And uh, uh, we're, we're, we get discouraged with our government. Have they lost touch with the common man? Uh, is, is who I vote for really going to make a difference? And so we see the government. How about relationships? Um, uh, maybe you don't have close friends or you've been hurt or who can I really trust? And, and you, you get discouraged. 
How about the church? Uh, some get discouraged with the church. They've let me down. They, they're not meeting my uh, needs. And, and uh, so we get discouraged about, uh, about the church. How about your college football team? Everybody enters the transfer portal. And uh, uh, at least the Cowboys won last night. So we're not discouraged uh, too bad in that area. But how about the unknown? We're just discouraged about what we do not know. What does the future hold? What am I supposed to be in life? And so we look at these things and we live in a discouraged day. And I don't want to depress you. I just want to paint a picture of reality because God is not surprised. It, it, nothing shocks him with what's going on. But here's the results of discouragement. You ready? Number one is you give up. Number two, you dry up. And then number three, you mess up. Give up. You see the circumstances in front of you and you just want to give up. You just throw your hands in the air and say, this is beyond me. I, I, I just give up. I, I just... Uh, throw my hands up, and I give up, uh, and and we just want to crawl in the corner in fetal position and pray that it all goes away. Uh, but once you give up, then you dry up. Dry up uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You just dry up. You, there's nothing more to give. Your tanks are empty, and God seems to have left you so Many people walk away from the church and God had nothing to do with it, but they just dried up. So they give up, they dry up, and then thirdly, they mess up. You know as well as I do, when the tanks get empty, temptation just floods in. Or stinking thinking, depression just comes in and you mess up, you do things you never thought you would do, and you got no tools to fight off the temptation. And no affair or no sin issue started right at that moment. It was a buildup. It was, you can turn around and see that somebody messed up because they dried up and they uh, gave up. And this is what discouragement does. But here's the deal. I want to give you good news today. Maybe you're discouraged. You, you came in encouraged and I just discouraged you. But the thought of a new year for you may be depressing. Is this just more of the same? Well, I've got good news. God sees you. He has not abandoned you. And he cares for you. I want you to know that today. In John 14, verses 16 and 17, I'm going to be jumping around to several scriptures. You can write them down. They'll be on the uh, screen. John 14, 16 and 17, Jesus is speaking. And he says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper your scriptures may say comforter, but another helper to be with you forever. 
even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is saying, I go away, but I'm going to give you a helper. The, the word helper is comforter, but there's a Greek term, and there will be no test, but this is uh, important to hear. The word is paraclete. It's one who comes alongside as an encourager. So what Jesus is saying here, I've got to go away, but I'm going to send you an encourager to be with you and in you, okay? So he has given us his very Holy Spirit to be in us and with us. So he has not abandoned you. He is well aware of current events. He knows what's going on, and he's in control. So, we've talked about courage. We've talked about discourage. Now let's talk about encourage. Encourage is to give support, confidence, or hope. To give support, confidence, or hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Paul is addressing the church and he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that, you, you got to hear this, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in, in, in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now, I, I kind of fumbled over that a little bit. Let me help you to understand. Paul is saying, You have been comforted by God. And the word comfort here is the same word paraclete. God has come alongside of you and he's in you and he comforts you so that you can comfort others, so that you can be there to comfort other people. So here's your key thought, okay? You can write this down. It'll be on the screen. Here's the key thought. Since Christ has given us his spirit as an encouragement, we are to be an encouragement to others, okay? Since Christ has given us his spirit as an encouragement, we are to be an encouragement to others. Hebrews 3.13, the writer of Hebrews says this, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The writer of Hebrews is saying this, if you don't get encouragement, if you do not encourage one another, you're going to give up, dry up, mess up. And we don't want that happening. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Paul said this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact you are doing. We are called. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. 
The church ought to be the best encouragers in the world. But many people don't see the church that way. They see the negative. They see critical. We must be the encouragers. So how do we encourage one another? And I've got three ways, and these will be real quick. Number one, you encourage by your presence, by, just by being there. You don't know how much it means to somebody just for you to be there, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. It's like the little girl had gone out and uh, she finally came back home and her mother said, where did you go? And she said, I went down to Miss Johnson's house. What did you do at Miss Johnson's house? Well, Miss Johnson, her grand, uh, granddaughter passed away. Oh, and the mom said, that's terrible. Well, what did you do? And she said, I just crawled up in her lap and I wept with her. And, I, you know, that's sometimes what we need is somebody just to weep with us, not give us counsel, not to tell us what we need to be doing. We just need somebody there. It's like the man whose son was in the state cross-country meet, and he wanted to encourage his son all along the route, but he couldn't be all along the route. And so he got some friends to join him at the state cross-country meet. And here's what he said. He said, I'm going to be at the beginning and when the gun goes off, and I'm going to be yelling encouragement to my son. And what I want you all to do, I want you to scatter along the route. And as you see my son coming, I want you to be yelling out encouragement to him. And I will, in the meantime, be all the way at the finish line so that uh, when he comes, I will be encouraging him there. And so the race took place and he heard encouragement all along the route. And that's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. God himself birthed us into this world and he has encouraged us and we are needed to be encouragers along the route, especially when we get discouraged. And the father is there at the finish line and he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. So encourage by your presence. Number two, by your words. Uh, there's a satanic saying that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that was demonic. Uh, <laughs> yes, the truth of it is, sticks and stones do break your bones. Words destroy you. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you still have echoes from somebody that said you were lazy or you weren't going to amount to anything. And uh, you just heard those words and they just curse you and, and uh, they do hurt. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. See, words can either build up or they can destroy. I, I learned a new word this week. Uh, it's called Plutoed. And how many of you heard the term Plutoed before? 
You know, Pluto gets no respect uh, as a planet. It's a planet, and then it's not a planet. It's just gas, and then it's a planet again. And uh, Pluto has been, uh, had a hard knock. So they came up with the term Plutoed, and Plutoed means to cast aside, demote, or devalue something, just like they've done with the planet Pluto. And so it's to cast aside, demote, or devalue something. Your words can Pluto people. They can destroy people. If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all, right? Um, but how do we do that in our day? Well, some of you are great note writers, and some of you are good texters and emailers uh, to just shoot out an encouraging word. And, and I know you're thinking, oh, what are they going to think of me? They're going to love you for it. They're going to be there for you. But, you know, to me, it's just as important if they know that you're a trustworthy person who's not going to gossip and slander. Uh, our staff culture, they know, and I've said it since day one, I will not speak negatively about you uh, in any public venue. We may have to have a discussion in uh, private, but I will not do that. And, uh, and so what does that do? It sets a healthy environment that, you know, my pastor loves me and he cares for me. He may not agree with me, but he cares for me. So uh, by your words. Thirdly is this, by your presence, by your words, by your prayers. We often say, I'm going to pray for you, right? We say that all the time. Uh, especially, you know, we've walked through that a lot here recently. And I, I, I don't say it flippantly. I say, man, I can't imagine how bad things were if people weren't praying. Uh, because it's kind of that way. But here's, here's my encouragement to you. Pray right then. Pray right then. If somebody says, hey, I'm going through this, just stop and pray. Uh, just pray for them. That's so encouraging, man. Uh, I've had people come up to me and, and in public places, and, and they know me, and uh, to be able to pray. I was in uh, Walmart one day, and uh, there was a, a fellow pastor in town. I know his he wife had just given birth, and uh, they were struggling right there in Walmart. It's one thing to say I'm going to pray for you, but it's another thing to put a hand on the shoulder and to pray for him. So by your prayers, by your presence, by your words, by your prayers. There's other ways, but I want to give you three challenges. There was a, the, there's a guy in the book of Acts. His name is Joseph of Cyprus, or Cyprius, however your scriptures may interpret it. But Joseph of Cyprus had a nickname. His nickname 
was Barnabas. It means encourager. And Barnabas was given that nickname not because he asked for it, but because it was part of his character. He was the encourager. I, you know, I can just imagine Barnabas. People wanted to be around Barnabas. I mean, they're just thinking, man, I love to be around Barney. He makes me feel good. He just builds me up. He makes me feel good about myself. And Barnabas was just that way. You, there's a story in scriptures where uh, Paul and Barnabas butt heads and, and uh, Barnabas wants to encourage John Mark, a young disciple. And Paul, at the end of his life, says, bring John Mark on. Because Barnabas was an encourager. Here's my question. If people were to give you a nickname for your demeanor and the way you handle life, what would they say would be your nickname? Would it be Barnabas, encourager? Or would it be sour, negative, angry, not content? What would it be? Scripture says that God has given us everything we need for a life of godliness. He's given us his spirit as encouragement, not only with us, but in us. And he's called us to be that way as well. Thank you.